This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Each year here at Gardener's World magazine, we hold a competition to find the nation's best amateur gardens, whittling down hundreds of entries from all over the UK to just eight finalists who've created something really special – whether that's a balcony filled with containers, an allotment dedicated to flowers, or a relaxing family garden. Our judges, TV presenters Alan Titchmarsh and Eric Anderson, and garden designer Anne-Marie Powell, then choose their favourite finalist, the judges' choice. Hello, I'm Adam, and today I'm chatting to this year's judges' choice winner, Nicola House, whose informal, wildlife-friendly garden in Kent was a unanimous favourite among our experts. I started by asking her what it felt like to be named a winner of the competition. Well, it it was a shock. It was because I had forgotten <laughs> that I'd entered, which sounds daft. I had entered at sort of two o'clock in the morning where my son had kept me up all night. And so I didn't hear it until you, I got an email from you, didn't I? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I actually thought that, you know, it would just be looked at, but then passed over. So it was a real shock. It was completely unreal and kind of laughable, really. But then I felt really proud and very excited. And then I thought, oh, was I big-headed for entering my garden? And then I thought, no, you love your garden. It's, you know, (laughs) why not? People enter competitions all all the time. And so, yeah, I just, um, it's ended up now me being really proud and really excited about what's to come and just chatting to people about it and stuff like that. People talk to me about gardens a lot now, which is quite nice, (laughs) instead of children. So what has that reaction been like from other people? Everyone's just been so happy for me, really. Really, really happy for me. But people know my situation. Things aren't always easy. Um, they know that I'm stuck at home a lot through for various different reasons. And so they 
uh, know that I've sort of poured my heart and soul into doing this. And just everyone, everyone's just been really, really nice about it and really enthusiastic, which has been really good. And I've had lots of offers of me going and raiding people's gardens for their plants because <laughs> they know they know I'll plant anything. <laughs> so that's been really good. That, that's been a good part of it. Um, yeah, just just everyone's just really, really pleased for me. It's like something really positive in my life. So it's been really good. For the benefit of people listening who might not have seen your garden, could you um, attempt to describe it? It's a council house. If you imagine an old council house garden, very long and narrow, so it's about 100 foot long, 30 foot wide. It looks out over fields, very fortunate area that we live in. Looks, uh, yeah, looks out over fields through a massive willow tree at the bottom of the garden. So to the right of that is a, a tin hut that we've made into a little respite kind of home, little house thing that we can sleep in. In between that is a little bushcraft outdoor cooking area, bonfire sort of place. And then coming the centre third of the garden is literally a path down the centre. And the left hand is veg boxes and then like a six foot wide border. Uh, and then there's a mixed shrub hedge on the left hand side. On the right hand side, it's just a lot of herbaceous perennial and anything else I can plant in there. And that, so that's kind of like another 30 foot of that coming up towards the house. Then there's the wildlife pond on the left, underneath a big Indian bean tree, which shades over a a table and chairs. It's all gravel from this point up towards the house. Um, There's a a wooden shed that was kind of painted to look like a beach hutty, and I've got lots of plants there. I've got an above-ground swimming pool on the right-hand side, just a little round one for um, the children to go in, because we're just trying to make it... um, a holiday from home as soon as you step out into the garden. It's very wild looking. I let all the wildflowers grow amongst the expensive plants as well. <laughs> so it doesn't always, it's not pristine in any way at all. It's just, but I'd say it was very interesting. There's something different mm-hmm. in every corner of the place. Do you think you could um, take us back to how you created the garden and and also what it actually looked like when you when you first moved there. When we first came here, it was literally the whole length of the garden was weed suppressant and carpet with pebbles on top. There was eighteen one meter square veg boxes in the centre part, and they were completely overgrown. You know, it's just so packed solid with the roots and thing of different weeds and stuff like that. Some beautiful trees, willow tree was there already, the catalpa tree was there already, and obviously the, um, the shrubs were there, the shrub hedge, and it would have been an absolutely stunning garden, really would. And whoever um, did it originally in the first place must have worked really hard. It, you could see, when I walked through and looked through the window, I was like, oh, wow, it really was a wow moment to look at it. But sadly, it was overgrown, hadn't been tended to, and um, was also very impractical if you wanted to plant anything else because it literally is carpet underneath. And I'm still, I've, I've planted some asters the other day and I had to cut six inches down, I had to cut through carpet to find the soil underneath. <laughs> it's just, and I'm doing this all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was a very, very beautiful. Lots of wildflowers, there's foxgloves, wood avens, marguerites, wild sweet peas. And then there was a lot of verbena, and um, evening primrose, all self-seeded. So it was it was stunning. It really was. But just 
just impossible to actually do anything else with because it was just so overgrown and matted together. So what was the the main feeling when you arrived then? Was it um, excitement? Did you feel a bit daunted? I was just really excited. I didn't I didn't want to move. We ha- we'd had to move up. I, I'm not used to having neighbours, which sounds weird, but um, <laughs> and I was scared because I thought, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm attached to houses now, you know, and um, and I walked through the door and it was just like, oh, this is fantastic. It was such a relief to see it. It really was, and just eager to get out there I mean for for a good few years we just left it as it was the children played in there whether it was wild and um you know just basically seeing what was happening watching it happen what was going on um the willow tree literally covered two of the gardens which was daunting and I ended up having to pay for um, it to be reduced um because it literally was covering both my garden and my neighbour's garden on the left and touched the ground. It was amazing. But when we cut it down, it was like, not we didn't cut it down, when we reduced it, we could see this fantastic view across the field. So it has always been a fantastic moment. I've always said if I won a million pounds, I'd buy this house and buy my neighbour's houses. So I keep my neighbours <laughs> and keep the garden because it is just a stunning place. It really is. So you said you spent a bit of time sort of observing the garden and getting to know it. At what point did you start to shape it to what it is now? So at the end of 2018, I got a digger in to get rid of these veg boxes on the top. I tried to do it by hand. It was just impossible. And to scrape up the pebbles, it was just a nightmare. So I had a digger in and he scraped all the boxes into a pile into the middle and we set fire to them. The centre part, the part that they were on, didn't have the carpet underneath, which was good. Well, I think it must have been January 2019, I started hand digging over the centre part and then I left that to freeze. Looks big clods of clay, it's all clay. And that broke it all up nicely. Then I just raked everything out, let it all go back to grass. And then lockdown came. I, it was just me and the children at home and the, we had this big six-metre bell tent that we'd been living in. And I was eager to get it back up again because I loved it. <laughs> and we put that up in the garden. And then a the, um, few months later, we took it down. So it was May by this time now. We took it down and it left a big earth circle where it killed all the grass. And I thought, oh, round garden. <laughs> Gonna... So I chucked down some slabs that my neighbour had given me down the middle to make them centre path. My boyfriend, who I'd recently met, Earlier that year, he'd always getting stuff out of skips. So he'd brought pallet collars. My ex-husband actually, he'd got sacks of um, white gravel that he was chucked out and all sorts of things people had given me. So I made, we set up the veg boxes on the left-hand side of the circle and then friends and neighbours just dropped off plants and and I just started planting. There's no plan to it at all, except for this, I was determined to not have any grass. <laughs> I was just going to have this path down the centre. So that was really the start of it, was just, was this earth circle that was left by the bell tent. Yeah, and I know from visiting your garden that you've created a really beautiful garden, but also that recycled elements, and and you mentioned a few of those already, are quite important to how you've put the garden together. Can you explain a little bit more about how you've managed to upcycle so much in the garden and, and make it look so beautiful as well? Basically, it comes down a bit to beggars can't be choosers really it is a fact but then I've always been brought up to really enjoy making something out of nothing and um, we always you know we didn't have a lot when we were children big family um so we'd always be recycling our clothes and things like that and so this is just really part of my existence um and I love the antique and vintage 
kind of look anyway. So I just, um, Facebook Marketplace, skips, <laughs> skip dipping all the time. <laughs> Even antique shops and things like that. I have bought um, things specifically. I bought some lovely big old enamel pans. They're about two foot deep, two foot wide. And I've got about six of those and they're dotted about the garden full of water for the birds or for dipping pots. Just everything in the garden. All of my seating, the seating areas all over the place. That Yeah, all secondhand, all either... Literally, people chucking it out, then I'll take it and see what I can make out of it. Um, my The tin shed at the bottom of the garden, someone very kindly gave me that as a workshop years ago because I'm a curtain maker. Then it went off to be a joinery shop, wood store, and then it came back to me a couple of years ago and we decided to put that up. And again, I bought a new tin roof. I think that's the, the newest thing I put on it. Everything else is reclaimed, recycled just it's such good fun it's so exciting and it kind of dictates which way you're going you don't know what you're going to do with it until it arrives all the pots everything that I've got um all the chimney pots are lovely because they're all someone's painted them and then they're just distressed it gives that gives the garden a feeling of age even though it's only two years old it's just it looks old because everything's old and broken (laughs) that makes sense it gives it that that feeling of comfort I think I love it that someone else has used it and you wonder what the story is behind the things you've used we've just got a, a little greenhouse actually from from facebook marketplace so i'm excited about that next project yeah i mean i i, I couldn't agree more it really gives the garden a lot of character doesn't it when you use found items like that not to mention it's obviously brilliant for sustainability as well it's a really good approach to have yeah <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Um, does that thriftiness extend to the planting as well? Because I, I know you mentioned that you um, have got plants from neighbours and 
I, I know that you've propagated plants so from seed. Can you tell us a bit more about the the planting choices in the garden as well? So I do buy things, obviously, but I do if I go to a, one of the big nurseries, you know, I will tend to buy their stuff that, that may be on the half price shelf, and it might look dead, and we just cut it off and stick it in the ground, and it'll grow. It just will always grow. Yeah, it's two nurseries I go to, and again, this is keeping it local. I think that's really important if you buy plants that are local to you, if you are going to buy plants that are grown locally. So there's Madrona Nursery in Betherston, and there's um, Bean Place Nursery in Headcorn. So they're both very local villages to me, and I get most of my expensive plants from them. So I, I have spent money on plants. Also, uh, as you say, I literally... If anyone's given away anything, I will take it off them. I um, buy a plant and I cut it in half <laughs> to make two plants. I've just started propagating. That is quite a new thing. Um, grown from seed. And most, again, I've left all the wildflowers to grow. And there's a lot of beauty in the wildflowers. There really is. Sometimes I ask, you know, I've been around big gardens and, and you see the garden and you say, oh, can I have this seed or that seed, which has been really good. And then... Um, actually planted some flow mist by doing that and they've actually grown which is quite exciting <laughs> so it, and you get into really good conversations with people by doing that and make good contacts and new friends as well by doing this by the sharing and because you can't I don't think you can afford well I personally couldn't have afforded to have planted everything from from brand new at all um but don't get me wrong I have spent money on plants because it does get you see an unusual one and you think oh I need that. That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a lot of satisfaction and excitement, isn't there, in 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 just sowing seeds and propagating plants and and resurrecting plants from from the dead as well as you've as you described that you do. I, another one thing our judges commented on a lot when they were looking through all our finalists this year about about your garden is how well you put your plants together. And you mentioned wildflowers. You've got a mixture of wildflowers you've got um cultivars you've got edibles in there where do you think that sort of creativity comes from when it comes to putting the plants together and putting the garden together as a whole that's quite a difficult question to answer because because i've never thought about it literally is something i just do i literally have never thought about it in anything i do it just is it's just, are you just, I just do it. I suppose it's like somebody can sing and I can't sing and maybe I can put things together. I kind of like things a little bit quirky. I like things just to be a little bit off-centre, a little bit eccentric. Not intentionally, but that I, I know that that is my style in pretty much everything I do. Um, I don't really get hugely influenced by the outside world. It's usually if I like something, I'll put it there. Sometimes I can be a little bit controversial and think, well, I'll put that there because... I know people don't like them. And I think, well, I'll use that <laughs> just to get a reaction. Um, and and then and then it works and people are like, oh, that's lovely. Look at that. It's fantastic. You know, but yeah, I just stick things in. If there's a gap, I put it in. Because like I say, sometimes you haven't even got the colour of the plant. You just, you just got to imagine what it's going to be like. And um, I just, yeah, my, my, my whole family are very creative in, in very different ways. So I suppose it is a bit genetic. It is genetic in that respect. But um, I've always been a bit artistic and I do curtain making and interiors. So I guess it just is the way I am. I'm definitely more practical than academic. So I think it comes from that 
Absolutely. And you you have to be able to play around, experiment, be creative in your own garden if you can't do that there where else, I guess. And what, what is your previous experience with gardening? Have you had a garden before this one? Um, did you enjoy growing plants when you were growing up? Um, personally, I didn't actually remember, I don't remember growing anything when I was growing up, but I do remember gardens and growing food and foraging and that type of thing as being part of growing up. But both sides of the family, my, my stepmom and my stepdad, both very interested and had a background in kind of horticulture. So they always had gardens going. I remember, you know, there's always something being grown. There's always food being dug up or fruit and flower gardens. And um, I do remember it being really beautiful and, and really enjoying looking at the things and picking flowers. And I love making flower arrangements. So, But I don't remember ever actually growing stuff. I think the first thing I grew was some nicotinia, nicotinia, don't even know how you pronounce it, when I was about nine or ten, I think. And then it wasn't until I was about 28 and I had my own garden, but again, that was just grass with... Um, I planted a hawthorn hedge with a few maple and things in it <laughs> and a few flowers, but that was it. It was never a real garden, it was more lawn. So, honestly, it's not been um, a massive thing. The, the house we lived in previously to this, was owned by an elderly gentleman and he had a fantastic garden, actually. It was full of roses and stuff like that. And I think that, and they were just in odd places as well. They were dotted about here and there. And I think that actually, looking back, that had quite an effect on me. I thought it doesn't have to be in a square. There was no square lawn then. It was just kind of roses everywhere with flowers strewn in between. And just, it was it was a really lovely garden. But again, we were just renting, so I couldn't keep that garden. <laughs> but I think that's that has that affected me just thinking back now. Yeah, that gave me quite a good lot of inspiration, really. And I know you take um, a lot of inspiration from the wildflowers that grow around you in Kent and the the local environment. Does that extend to wildlife as well? Is that is it important for you to have wildlife in the garden? You know, it's absolutely imperative you have wildlife in the garden because. It's all about eating in the food chain. <laughs> I'm not saying I encourage them to eat each other, but that is a fact. That's what happens. You know, if you grow a plant, you're going to get some bug on the plant that might eat your plant. Then a bird will come and eat that bug and or a ladybird or an insect. And and then slugs come in and the hedgehogs then come in. And it's just that, that buzzing in the garden, you can just sit out there. If you sit out there for 10 minutes and they realise they think you're not there anymore. They all, all the creatures start coming out, all the insects and beetles and birds, wasps, hornets, everything. I love all of it. It's so fascinating. And we've had some really unusual things. In fact, the other day, a um, sparrow hawk came and landed in above the bird feeder and sat in the bean tree and was watching the birds on the bean tree. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I just thought, wow, that's amazing. Um we had a grass snake, which was another quite interesting. We couldn't believe that either. And, and and the usual sort of insects and things. But I think it's just so important that every, every creature on earth needs something to eat and, and somewhere to live. And that, I think if you can provide that, then you also reap the benefit of looking at them and just enjoying their presence. Because, you know, if you if you look at some of these little bugs with a magnifying glass, it's just fantastic. Even the ladybirds, I was shocked to see what a baby ladybird looked like. I had no idea until this year, actually. It was this year I saw my first baby ladybird. <laughs> You're just learning every day. Just It just takes your mind off everything else. I just think it's important for the wildlife, but also 
just really good fun. It's just really good fun just to sit out there and get your binoculars out and and watch. It's fascinating. Yeah, it sounds like you've learned a lot through the process of making this garden and and, and just enjoying it. Do, do, is that something, I know you've got two kids, do they enjoy being out in the garden as well? Do they enjoy the wildlife and, and everything that you, that you love about your garden? I think sometimes they, uh, Tilly is a bit disappointed that I got rid of the grass, definitely, because she wanted to run around on it. And we've got a little bit of grass left. But, you know, they're both teenagers now and I know that, that they're not going to want to be kicking a ball around in the garden and things like that anymore. She loves going out there when, when the veg is out. She loves to eat raw veg. So she's always out there picking stuff straight off the, you know, just not having to ask, you know, can I eat this? Is it poisonous? She can just go out there and do it. In fact, Joseph really wouldn't go outside into the garden at all. So Joseph has um, very complex special needs. So he's got Down syndrome, autism, ADHD um, and other things as well. So basically that's why we're at home all the time and he will now go out into the garden. He'll go right to the bottom of the garden because there's this path that he can follow. He can't go off it. That's like his little destination point. So he'll go there and he'll go into the um, little tin shed we've made and he'll go and sit in there or he'll go and do his fixing underneath the willow tree. Um, In the summer till he has all our friends over. That fact, not even in the summer, they'll go into the tin shed. It's just a place where they can have their friends over and feel safe because we can't be going out a lot because of the situation with Joseph, basically. But yeah, so they are outside a lot and it has been more so since the garden has been established in the last couple of years. They definitely have been out there a lot more and enjoying it a lot more. You have to tell us a bit more about your fantastic summer house. And I, and I feel like calling it a summer house kind of does it a disservice because it's it's really it's really amazing i don't know can what you, to call it <laughs> i know it's um it, it's really like a, a, a yeah a, a second little holiday home at the bottom of your garden basically that you've that you've built yourself can you um describe a bit more about what that's like having that and, and how you made it again we can't really go away and stay we do try but go, you know go away for holidays and things but we like i said I was, this tin shed came back to me it's like 20 foot by 10 foot the whole thing's corrugated iron. And my boyfriend Mark and I decided we'd put it up at the end of the garden and just turn it into somewhere that we can just go and sit in. That was the idea at first. And then friends just started giving us stuff. Neighbours would let me take stuff out of their skip or they'd pass things over the, the fence, you know, <laughs> um, paving and all this kind of thing. And then we had a good friend, Fox Framing, who do um, oak timber frame buildings. And they have a lot of offcuts and they gave us tons of wood so we put this put the frame up we put we lined it out with wood I got some I was given some windows old critter windows I was so proud that's actually the proudest thing is that we managed to put windows in <laughs> I'm so proud of being able to do that we done we did everything on our own we read up about it we got the tools out gave it a go if it didn't work we took it down did it again and we just built and it's people call it like a little house on the prairie it's just completely wood lined inside it's um insulated it's got a little wood burning stove in it uh, it's got old cast iron beds there's a double bed and two single beds in there we've got um again every single thing in there is second hand and salvaged or given to us um except for the stove which we bought when we lived in the tent we had the stove in there um but just it's just got that the minute I walk in there, I feel like I am somewhere a hundred miles away from anywhere. It 
just is so cosy and warm and um it's just a, it's just a different different place i've always had a passion for tin houses i was born into a house with a tin roof i lived in a house with, with a tin roof for years for 10 years on my own a few a few years out with my sister so to me that is just the epitome of all summer houses <laughs> of and actually if it was somewhere else i'd want to go and pay to stay in it that sounds strange but I just love it so much it, it means the world to me it really does having that place to go to I get up if it's raining I can go down there instead of eating my breakfast in the garden I'll sit in the shed with the doors open and you can just uh we call it the shed <laughs> it's not very glamorous <laughs> or tin house the tin house no, I love it yeah the reality, reality is it's so much more more than a shed I think what I loved about it when I saw it was I have seen it yeah what I loved about it was its position right at the bottom of the garden which you know makes you kind of walk up and down through the garden I'm sure that gets on your nerves a bit when you've forgotten something but oh not um, at all no it it brings you through the garden (laughs) doesn't it and it it really kind of changes how you how you interact with the garden absolutely yeah when the garden's grown up as well in summer you can't hardly see the house at all from the tin shed it's just it's just a whole little world of its own, the garden with the with the shed. And it's just, it's very interactive. It, you're right, it does. It takes you through the garden and you have to stop and look at things as you go past. We started at the, at the start of this chat talking about how you entered a, a competition and that's why we're talking today. Um, and you were quite surprised to to have been chosen as a finalist. What advice would you would you give for people if they were thinking of of entering this competition if they wanted to send their garden into us if you love your garden just enter it doesn't mean you're showing off or anything it just means you love your garden and you want to share it with people um don't worry about what anyone else might think of your garden if you love it then enter it doesn't matter what it is because you you will be surprised i've never been surprised so surprised in all my life because my garden has never been planned it's still a a work of progress. There's a lot of work that needs to do into it still. You know, just um, be proud of be proud of what you've done. And if you want to enter, enter. Because I think the the love for your garden will just shine through. I really do. Obviously, take photos. Read read the instructions properly, though. It can be quite complicated. <laughs> um, what photos to send in and that type of thing. But then just generally pour your heart out uh, when you're writing out what it's all what why you want to enter, why you love your garden. And just just really enjoy the process. I did it just as a, a whim, as a bit of fun. But um, And I am in shock. But I'm really, really glad that I did it. I really am. Because, you know, if it can just encourage one person to have a go at their garden, then that, that's just winning. I've said this before. That That's the best thing. And talking to other gardeners and interacting with other people's ideas and what they've seen in their garden what they're doing in their garden just go for it because it's really worth the effort definitely very well summed up i completely agree i think you know the passion just comes through you know if you're passionate about your garden then that just comes through and and we'll see that so finally if you can can you sum up what it means to you to have this garden after all the hard work that you've that you've put into it competition aside what does it what does it mean to you to to have this garden and use it on a daily basis for me and my family, it is it is everything. It's our it's our day out. It's our holiday. It's um, our meal out. <laughs> it's our evening out, because basically everything happens in that garden. Because 
that is that's why we sort of created it adding as much as we possibly can into that garden so that we can just um spend every minute we can out there because we it is very difficult to go out i don't want to go into ins and outs really um but we we have to be at home a lot and um just been so fortunate to have a garden i if you knew i know how lucky we are i know how lucky we are to have that garden like i said it's a council house i'm so lucky to have this it just is it doesn't matter what what you have though i think you could just turn anything into something beautiful and work alongside nature let nature do its bit and you just add to it enhance it a little bit don't try and fight it it's been it's been a savior really it's a place to go out and cool down when you get angry, <laughs> which I need. <laughs> it's a place to um, just relax, to enjoy. Funnily enough, I, I, this sounds weird. I actually love going outside and hearing the neighbours. I love hearing the neighbours. I can hear their music, I can hear their chatting. You kind of feel, you don't feel alone out there. You feel that you can, that you're a part of something. And it, it just, it does feel really special. I just know how lucky I am. And I'm really, really grateful that we've ended up with this place. I really, really am. Yeah. And it's worth every second of, of we well, say hard work. It is hard work, but it's kind of, I don't view it as that. I think it's, when you're, when you're actually in there doing it, you don't feel like it's hard work because you're constantly thinking of what's coming next, what's coming next. I do swear a little bit about the carpet though, underneath the gravel. <laughs> the carpet's still haunting you. The carpet haunts me every day. <laughs> We're still digging it up. It did its job and it was right for the, for the previous garden, but not for my garden at all. And that, please don't put carpet underneath your gravel, people. Buy the proper stuff if you need to, but not carpet. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>